but you're being rewarded every day by knowing what you want and being able to enjoy the tax as the benefits that you get from it. If you have outside passive income, you can use the losses from the portfolio and to offset that. And like I said, it's like, if you buy the best and forget the rest, you'll never look back and be unhappy. your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney. So we are back again with our guest today, Larry Taylor, continuing the conversation from yesterday. And he goes into a number of things that I know is so beneficial, whether you're active or passive. Even at the very end of this segment, towards the end anyway, you're going to give a, a lesson on uh, inflation and deflation and how that is affecting uh, our economy. Uh, and I, I just think you're going to learn a lot from Larry again today. What about, uh, what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Well, first of all, we've been around a long time. So we have a pretty solid base of just under 500 investors right now. And really our business has grown through referral primarily, but you know, we do have some social media, we do have a PR firm, we do have a website. We do have a team that goes and speaks at conferences and we, we do grow the business that way, but it really is a referral business. And every, and look, a real estate investment is a serious investment. We're talking serious money. And there's a lot of, you know, publicly traded REITs out. I say private REITs like Blackstone and Starwood and Pimco and a few others out there that. You know, investors can allocate $500 or $2,500 to and the 25,000, which is a kind of a new invention, just like funds, pretty new invention. But the old fashioned part of real estate is you want to own something and owning something is kind of, you can do it through a syndication process. Or you can do it through the process that we do, which is private equity. And we call it private equity because in the private equity, non-real estate world, investors are told up front, don't expect to see anything for at least a five or five, seven years. Pretty much it's the same way. Real estate takes a while to mature. Um, you don't really start coming into your own sometimes for a period of time and then you have a longer hold period but you're being rewarded every day by knowing what you want and being able to enjoy the tax as the benefits that you get from it if you have outside passive income you can use the losses from the portfolio and to offset that and like i said it's like if you buy the best and forget the rest you'll never look back and be unhappy larry what's your best advice for passive investors right now Pick the best sponsor. Yeah, great advice. What about, what's the challenge in your business right now? Well, the challenge is the debt market. But the debt market is continuing to contract. It's just, it's just lenders don't have enough deposits to be able to make enough loans because Investors who typically would be putting money in banks to buy CDs or have savings accounts are buying treasuries because treasuries are paying more than banks are paying. And so when banks don't have deposits, they don't have money to lend. And 
when you lose the greatest source of money for real estate, which is banks, the whole industry starts to suffer. And it is suffering. No doubt about it. What are some of the most important metrics that you track, Larry? It could be personally or, or professionally. Metrics in terms of the economy? No, as far as uh, it could be your business or, or personally, either one. It could be how many days a week you exercise or it could be how many deals you all are underwriting. What The most important metrics for Larry? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Well, I do, I do follow a lot of different methods. On the personal side, I try to measure how much traveling is happening in terms of, you know, I'm always looking at airline seats and ticket sales and ticket prices to see what's going on in the world because travel seats indicate that people are feeling good about themselves and have disposable capital. When it comes to under, underwriting real estate, you know, I'm always looking at properties that are being valued based upon one use, which might be able to have more value if the metrics show that it could be converted to a different use. So right now there's a lot of talk in the press about what are we going to do with all these empty office buildings, right? Can we convert them to residential buildings? Can we tear them down and build something else? So that's, that's kind of a, an interesting thing, but it's nothing new for our firm. We've been looking at that metric, you know, since day one, you know, can we buy a property that's being used as an office building and converted to a residential or can we buy a residential building converted to an office building or can we buy, uh, you know, a body shop and convert it to a shopping center? And we've done all of the above. So always being able to look at what I say is what's the underlying value of the land as compared to what's been improved on it and what can you do with those improvements to be able to make them more valuable, which is beyond just, you know, in carpet or stuff like that. So it's just, it's a much more sophisticated view, depending on what market you're in. This is a very sophisticated market. There are other markets where, you know, you can just Basically, you get a permit to build anything if you want. Doesn't take a lot of brain power, but I always say to people who are thrilled about like investing in what I call growth areas, and we've seen massive growth in places like Austin and Dallas and Phoenix and South Carolina, Florida. I could go on and on, you know, Boise, Idaho, Salt Lake City, Denver. These are areas of tremendous growth and popularity. But they also all possess tremendous opportunities to continue to build. There's a tremendous amount of land. Las Vegas, Nevada, Phoenix, they're not going to run out of land. Right. And as a result, the greatest risk to real estate investment is competition from new development. And so... You don't have that problem. Well, I think, I think for long-term investors who are seeking to build a portfolio of valuable assets that they can basically start to see returns over the years as flow increases and the properties built with value uh, to be able to get that money out, whether it's through refinancing or whether it's through flow from, from occupancy. I think that to stick with the best and forget the rest. I mean, yeah, it just is that way. For example, if, if you were buying 
industrial real estate in the last five years and you were buying it at, you know, returns of three and a half to 4% gap rate. Today, those properties, if you still want to buy them, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to be buying them for less money because investors want a six and a half percent return. So if you bought it at three and a half, an investor wants six and a half, and it's a million square foot distribution facility somewhere between Houston and Austin, it's going to go down in value. And that's a risk that we don't want to see happen because that doesn't make anybody happy. Larry, what are some habits that you are disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you? Never compete for a property. What does that mean? The worst thing you can do is get yourself stuck in an auction where you're trying to buy a property and you're constantly being bid and you're outbidding to try to get a property. Never, never compete. Period. Because at the end of the day, you will only end up paying more than it's worth. So know what you're willing to pay for it and go after it at that amount. The minute there's competition, don't get sucked into the battle of I got to have it, I got to have it, I'm going to pay more. Because it's the sucker at the end that ends up with it. Lose. And I've sold properties to buyers who have competed. And I've watched them lose mm. money millions and millions of dollars when they've overpaid. So overpaying for real estate is it's, it's pretty bad. To control your emotions is what you're saying. <laughs> just don't just don't get involved. Don't fall in love with it. Yeah. You know, what would you say is the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Uh, discipline. Any specific thing you're disciplined about? Absolutely. Buy only in the locations that you understand. Mm. Never pay more than you believe the property is worth. Never compete. And essentially have a very, very solid understanding of how you, you value. And that's kind of the art, not the science where they, you know, you cannot learn in business school specifically how to discern value. You can learn how to model, you can learn how to evaluate, you can learn how to project, but is it, it's just an eight set. So you're born with ability to see value. I know that I have, I know that others in my firm have learned that or also have, have that, but you have to be able to look at something and say, that's a good deal. And then it's interesting too, is because I have some young, younger, younger MBAs here that have come from some of the most prestigious schools in the country, and they've learned all of the significantly sophisticated techniques for evaluating real estate. And they're always looking at a, a real estate opportunity, and they're starting to do an analysis through due diligence to figure out why they should buy the property. The real analysis is when you're doing due diligence, you want to run all of your scenarios to figure out why you shouldn't buy the property. You don't want to talk yourself into why you should buy it. You want to say, I want to buy it because I know it's a good deal. And I'm going to hit it with everything that I can to disprove my theory that it's a good deal. It's the reverse. 
And so um, I chuckle sometimes when I see these fantastic 10-year projections. They always seem to go up. In my experience, I've never seen they quite go like that for a consistent period of time. Kind of, you know, it's kind of jagged no matter what. And so as long as you prepare yourself for the long term, and you can make adjustments, you have to be thinking in advance. You have to read as much as possible. You have to have relationships in the industry. I have some of the you know, highest level relationships in the United States in the real estate industry. So I'm talking to a lot of people who are at the very top, who have better information. Better information usually will lead to a better result. And that's why I said earlier, you know, just invest with the best sponsor. And that's hard to find. That is hard to find, especially with the the information like that, right? Those connections, that's so important. Uh, Larry, uh, unfortunately, we're running a very long time, but uh, one last question. Uh, how do you like to okay. give back? Uh, I love, I love training and teaching my new recruits and younger recruits, you know, all of the, all the essences of what makes real estate attractive. I also like to speak to a lot of college students who are interested in their career and kind of give them the, what I call the, the ingredients for success based upon my experiences. And I do like to basically place myself on charitable boards that are doing, you know, important things for the community. I sit on the board of the LA fire department foundation, where we, we fund fire department needs that the city budget doesn't allow. I sit on some medical boards that to do good things in the, in the community. And I, I do like to spend my time mentoring younger people coming into the business, even if they don't come to work for us, but, you know, going to college campuses and speaking, I'm speaking at a Globe Street conference next week uh, with a very sophisticated panel in the multifamily space. And uh, we had a pre-meeting, pre-conference or pre-panel discussion last week when I was in Europe and, and I just simply said, they said, well, what are you going to talk about Larry? And I'm going to say, well, I'm just going to tell the truth. They said, well, what's the truth? I said, I want to talk about the elephants in the room. What's that? Cost of money. I said, the cost of money basically is singularly destroying the real estate industry as we know it today. It's destroyed the banks. The banks had to mark to market their loans and their investments. Most banks in the United States would be insolvent. And right now you have a continuing destruction of the real estate investment industry in the United States currently. It's just, it's just happening while the Fed is focused and the government is focused on other things. And I believe that we have to address that because it's not going to change. Rates are up. Availability of money is down. Construction is slow to a halt. It's just, it's, we, we've seen this before, right? This fight for battling inflation, which I've lived through inflation that was double, high double digits. You know, I lived through an area where inflation was running between 12 and 18% per year. 
Inflation can be very bad, but let's not forget, you know, Governor Bernanke, whose greatest fear was deflation, not inflation. Because it's deflation that leads to depression. It's the uncontrolled falling of prices to goods and services that leads to de depression. It's not inflation. Inflation in and of itself is a bad thing for other reasons. But the reason that the Fed has a 2% bargain, which was established under Bernanke, was his fear of deflation. Because prior to Bernanke, you had, under Greenspan and his predecessors, right? Flat, zero. Let's just be at zero. We don't want prices to be accelerating at all, right? We only got to a 2% because the fear of deflation. And now we are so busy with the battle on inflation, which I believe is not caused by cheap money, although we printed money flagrantly around the world, not just us, but the G20. Uh, that was something that had to be done in response to the pandemic and the 2009 financial crisis. But there's a lot of capital that's been created. But if you think of money as a commodity, just like real estate is a commodity, right? If you raise the cost of that commodity, that in and of itself is inflationary. And the United States is the biggest debtor in the world. It is now raising interest on itself, which means it has to print more money, issue more bonds, pay higher interest to people to buy those bonds, to continue to grow the deficit. Larry, we can continue talking a long time, I think, or, or listening. I, I, you're just so full of wisdom, so many years of experience. And man, I, I'd love to have you back on the show and continue the conversation in the near future as well. I mean, just a wealth of knowledge, no doubt about it. Larry, grateful. For your time, grateful for for the time spent with us and the listeners, and just the way you've given back to us as well, and just gleaning from your years of experience. How can the listeners get in touch with you or learn more about you, Larry? Well, listen, uh, my phone number is always available: three one zero four five six two six two two, or our website is pretty informative. Uh, my email address is l taylor at christinala dot com. Yeah, yeah, we're easy to find. We have a great team. We have a, a great program. We've got these two real estate private equity companies that are open. We've already purchased some incredible real estate. Yes, it was a partition action. Yes, it was a partnership dispute. Yes, it was all those things. But uh, uh, it's a great time to be buying right now. It's very hard to find opportunities on the website all the time. But as they come up, we're buying them for less than we would have, you know, some time ago. So get in touch with us and participate with us for the long term. We already have third generation investors with us that you know, started off you know, many years ago with somebody who was 50 and they passed away at 80 and then we got their third children who were in their 40s and now we have our children's children wow uh, so and we have some properties that we've owned for over 35 years and paid out you know many many multiple times of what their original investment was and just keep paying out like a slot machine and no reason to sell those properties because the tax effect would be great and 
investors can transfer those assets to their beneficiaries at a 35% discount. Uh, so there's all kinds of estate planning that you can do when you own real estate in a structure like ours. So for all the above reasons, we have, you know, like this, pretty, pretty good investor base, mostly referrals, but we do, we do have other sources as well. We're trying to actually grow our investor base because we have a whole new young team here that wants to see us grow from 500 to 5,000 investors. And I say, go for it. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.